0: Our reading this morning is from John's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who were baptised, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, And he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, He told her, "'Go, call your husband and come back.' "'I've no husband,' she replied. Jesus said to her, "'You are right when you say you have no husband. "'The fact is, you've had five husbands, "'and the man you now have is not your husband. "'What you've just said is quite true.' "'Sir,' the woman said, "'I can see that you're a prophet. "'Our fathers worshipped on this mountain.' When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, Many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Saviour of the world. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Christchurch is now friends with. Now, the broader definition I was given when we wrote the evaluation uh, booklet paragraph for this week's session is Are we a people who are prepared to go beyond the superficial, to grow an attractive community, to be a welcoming community to all, to build genuine relationships with others? When we hear that, some of us are going to groan inside. Some of us are going to be fearful. Some of us are going to welcome that. But we will all have different reactions. Some of us want our church life to be a private experience between ourselves and God. Some of us may feel that we've been abandoned or ignored by a church community, either this one or others. And others will look around longingly at those who seem to build relationships so easily with others. Um, People are a bit younger here than they were at the nine o'clock, so you may not have been through the same experience I did when I was at school, where in games lessons, the uh, teacher would pick out the two popular girls in the class, and they would have to choose teams. And we would all stand in a long row... And they would pick out one and one for each side. And eventually you got left to the the ones who couldn't catch a ball or who um, stumbled or who nobody liked. It was awful. And I used to come up with so many creative ways of avoiding games, from bandaging myself up to hobbling in um, to doing extra French. And, you know, that's saying something... (laughs) The point is that I would have done anything to avoid being in that situation, of being marked out, of being alone. And so it was for the Samaritan woman. For whatever reason, she chose to go to the well alone during the heat of the day when no one else was around, when she knew she could avoid whatever it was she feared. And the passage has given us reasons. She had five failed marriages. She was living with a man but not married to him. She lived in a society where women were very much downtrodden. And she was part of an ethnic group that was despised by the Jews. Sadly, we still have prejudices in our society today. And like you, I think, gosh, that's dreadful. How can we, as a mature society, still have prejudices amongst us? But actually, whilst it's easier to judge the larger picture, when I look at my own life, I realise that I have prejudice. Who is it that I would shrink back from? Who is it that I would hesitate to share the gospel with? Do I need to repent of wrong attitudes before God and then step out where he calls me? Are there people that we avoid as we go about our everyday lives? Are there people in church that we avoid coming into contact with? How do we feel about genuinely being a welcoming community where whomsoever the Lord would send to us is welcome? But Jesus sees things very differently. He had a divine appointment with a Samaritan woman and chose to break through the barriers of prejudice that surrounded her In contrast to the usual behavior of the Jews of the time, he traveled through Samaria. He asked a Samaritan, and even even worse, he asked a woman for water. He spoke to a woman whose personal life had made her an outcast. He ignored the prejudices of his ethnic group towards her. He accepted her. And even more, he asked her for a drink of water. He started to build a relationship with her. And it's the same for each one of us. We all have a calling from God on our lives. He chooses each of us individually to be on his team. He doesn't leave us standing. At the nine o'clock, I knew that there'd be quite a few people who could remember Hot Pants, but I'm not so sure here. I'm certain that Tim doesn't (laughs) Margaret's volunteered to do a turn up and down the aisle to show us what shorts are like if anyone wants but hot pants were skimpy little shorts made out of shiny satin and they were the fashion statement of the day when I was a teenager and a group of us used to go along to a local church and one day one of the girls wore hot pants bright pink ones do you know it caused so much fuss? us? It was discussed by the diaconate. People who didn't know her, who had never talked to her, started to have opinions about her, started to make judgments about her, made her feel very awkward. Eventually, after a few weeks of trying to conform to the church's dress code, she gave up. I still know that lady. She has two children. She's never been to church since, and neither have her children. Isn't that sad? Isn't that awful? And I'm sure none of us would want to be part of a church where that would happen. I wonder what Jesus would have done. How can we reject others for sometimes quite trivial reasons, when Jesus accepts us so completely. What does Jesus say to those who turn up at church now and don't fit in with the established church norm? Here in the story of the Samaritan woman at the well is his answer. Jesus knew who she truly was and he knows who we truly are as well. He knows the mosques we hide behind. He knows the barriers that we erect to stop others coming too close. Jesus had a circle of friends. He had a three, a twelve, a seventy-two. We cannot have the same relationship with seventy-two people that we have with three. But what's important is that we have the same balance that Jesus had. We have a closer circle and a wider circle of friendships and relationships that we don't keep people too close or we don't keep them at too much of a distance because of our prejudices or because of the difficulties we've experienced in past relationships or because of the destructive cycle of neediness that we read about in the the tale of the Samaritan woman. Jesus knew her real need, what it was that drove her life, patterns of behavior perhaps it was for male company and I guess with five husbands that could well be one of them it could be for physical affection it could be for love we don't know but at the heart of her story is her unfulfillable expectation that another human being was going to be able to meet her innermost needs but Jesus had the answer Without physical water we die, but without spiritual water we're spiritually dead. The disciples were so focused on the job in hand to buy food, and they were probably very aware that the town that they were visiting was full of Gentiles, they completely missed the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with the locals they met. When Jesus says to them, the fields are white unto harvest in verse 35, he was looking out over fields of crops that weren't yet ready. But those same fields had another crop that was ready to be gathered in. There were Samaritans walking from the town to where Jesus sat because the woman had gone back to her people and shared what Jesus had said to them, said to her. And they were coming to him to hear from them for themselves his good news. They were the crop that Jesus was ready to reap, and the disciples had missed it. The Samaritan woman found all she needed in the living water of the Holy Spirit. Symbolically, she left her water jar, which represented all her worldly need behind at the well. And for us too, we can leave behind all that hinders, all that we cling to for security if we drink the living water of the Holy Spirit and allow it to bubble up within us and to flow through us to others. Let's give thanks to God for the relationships that sustain us, but let's also recognise before him areas of difficulty and struggle of broken relationships, of loneliness, of loss. We live in a time of broken relationships. Into all these areas, let us ask the Holy Spirit to pour his living water in and through us. Let's ask him to deepen our relationship with God through our Saviour, Jesus Christ to discover how we can sustain and strengthen our relationship with him because it's out of our relationship with him that we'll draw the grace and ability to develop godly relationships with each other here at Christchurch and within our communities. Let's be willing to go beyond the superficial in our relationships with each other. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to bring bring to us restoration and healing, to forge new relationships, to use us to bring in the harvest. Let's see our neighborhood and its situation through his eyes. Let's not be so caught up in living in this world that we miss the harvest waiting to be reaped for his eternal kingdom. In a minute, the worship group are going to sing A familiar chorus, but they're going to sing it in a slightly different way. And they're going to sing it over us as a prayer. As they do, let's give thanks to God that he has called us into relationship with himself through Jesus. Let's give thanks to God for those relationships that we have with others that nurture us. But let's ask the Holy Spirit to highlight anything within us, as individuals and as a church community, That would block the flow of his living water. And let's ask him to help us deal with the issues that he reveals. It may be that the Holy Spirit has already highlighted areas that resonate with some. Let's ask him to bring us to repentance where it's needed, to bring healing and true freedom, to set us free. To be the people he created and is calling us to be, in our families and amongst those we know, and as his people here in Baston Hill and beyond. Let's ask who it is that he would draw us into friendship with. And as the worship group plays, he will meet us if we allow him to. For some, it may be as we sit before him in the stillness. For others, it may be that you would like to ask a friend to pray with you. Or some might like to come up the front and ask Tim, Kate, Katie, and Paul, or others to pray, to stand with you in prayer. But let's not go out of here without responding to the scripture. In Revelation 22, verse 17, it says, Come, say the Spirit and the Bride. Whoever hears, echo, come. All who will, come and drink. Drink freely of the water of life. Thank you.